in contact with you, give you information that's going on at the church, keep you up to date on anything that's coming up or any events that you might miss otherwise. It also is a great place for you to put a prayer request. It's a great place for you to sign up for our senior adult luncheon, which the sign up is in the hall. But why waste the steps up to the hall when you can write senior adult luncheon, write your name down here on the card, and we'll add you to the list. So this is a great way for you to be able to communicate with the church, communicate with the pastors, ask any questions, ask for a visit. All those things can be communicated through your connection card. So I invite you to do that. If you would, let's stand together and we're going to sing Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him more and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him more and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease. Just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him more and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust him, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that he is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him more and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. You may be seated. Good morning. You know, a week or so ago when we had Valentine's Day, Old man Earl had to load up a whole truckload of strawberries to take to the farmer's market in Bartow. So he was up early on Valentine's Day morning, and he was getting ready to leave, and his wife, Miss Lula, came out and said, You know what, Earl? I had a dream that I got a beautiful diamond necklace for Valentine's Day. What do you think about that? And old man Earl just smiled at her, and he said, Well, you'll just have to wait and see. So he goes with his truckload of strawberries, takes them to Bartow, comes back that evening, he walks in with a package all wrapped up with 
paper with red hearts on it and a pink bow, and he hands it to Miss Lula. And she opens it up, opens up the box, and there's a book that says, How to Interpret Your Dreams. <laughs> I got a note here from, from Craig and Sue Querfeld, who are missionaries in Arequipa, Peru, for about 20 years. And then a year or so ago, they got off the mission field, and they are now the directors for Latin missions in most of South America. So he does a lot of traveling now. So I just wanted to give you an update on what was happening with him. He says the New Year started with a bang, and it wasn't from the leftover fireworks from New Year's Eve. On January 1st, Craig boarded a plane to Trinidad and Tobago, and the mission was to renew relationships with the churches that team missionaries established many years ago and to explore the possibility of sending students to do their internships and studies on the island and to explore the possibility of teams sending missionaries to work alongside of Trinidadians to expand the kingdom of God on these islands. I knew my time was going to be an exhilarating one when unexpectedly I had to rent a car and drive the car. That doesn't sound like much of a big deal, but they drive on the left-hand side of the road in Trinidad. Even though I did okay, it's never a dull moment on the mission field. And back on my time there, the Trinidadian people treated me like a king. They opened their hearts and churches and ministries to me. We laughed together, fished together. I was laughed at for not catching anything in seven hours. We shared our lives with each other. We ministered together, and they taught me about cricket and their famous players and how to eat curry with no silverware. With all of this, it seems like God is opening the door for renewing the relationship with these great people. In fact, even before we could talk formally about our plans, plans were made, being made to host students this summer. There's so much more that could be said, but suffice it to say that God opened the doors enabling us to accomplish all the goals that we had. After my trip to Trinidad, Sue and I had the privilege of leading the teaching portion of the pastor's conference for the Christian Bible Church in Arequipa. We had about six sessions where we led discussions on what it meant to be a pilgrim based on Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. We enjoyed teaching, leading discussions, and catching up with the pastors and their wives that we don't see most of the year. The most gratifying part was to see our friends dive into the topic and take growth steps in their own personal lives and to make adjustments in their ministries. As we explained in our last newsletter, God is opening up the doors for us to minister in a number of places in South America, not just Eric Kipa. In March, we will be going to visit a church planning team in the highlands of Peru with the goal of helping them consolidate their team and move forward. Later in March, we will be going to Bolivia, where we hope to meet all the missionaries working there. There's much more going on, but we would just simply like for you to continue to pray for us, Craig and Sue. So that's what we need to do. We need to pray for the queer folds that their, their mission work there would continue and that God would bless them. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. We thank you for giving us such a beautiful day in your world. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to bless Craig and Sue Querfeld and their quest to spread the gospel all over South America. We ask, Lord, that you would give them the opportunities, give them the contacts, give them the freedom of travel and the freedom of speech to tell all those in that part of the world that Jesus Christ is their Savior. We ask, Lord, that you would protect them, 
that you would feed them, that you would clothe them, that you would bless them. We ask, Lord, that you would give all these things to our missionaries that are all around the world and all around our neighborhoods. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this is the time we would normally let all of our kids go to Kid Zone, but today you're in for a special treat. Our kids' choir is going to help lead worship. So at this time, if you would, let's stand together and let's shake some hands. All right, if you'll find your way to your seat and we'll sing together. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh... The kids have been working on a couple of the songs that we actually already sing in church, and so we're uh, just hoping to get them a little bit more, more involved in leading in the worship service. So um, we even, when we practiced last week, we talked, we read the verse Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord and not for men. So these children are not here to sing for you today. They're singing to Jesus, and we want you to sing with us. So stand up. And uh, we're all going to sing together, and they're going to help lead us this morning. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. You are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence you won't let go. In the questions your truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. 
my troubled sea. You are the peace in my troubled sea. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise. You'll carry me safe to shore, safe to shore, safe to shore, safe to shore. I won't fear. I won't fear what tomorrow brings. With each morning I'll rise and sing. My God's love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. You are the peace in my troubled sea. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise. You will carry me safe to shore, safe to shore, safe to shore, safe to shore. Fire before us, fire before us, you're the brightest. You will lead us through the storms. Hey, fire before us. You're the brightest. You will lead us through the storms. Hey, fire before us. You're the brightest. You will lead us through the storms. Hey, fire before us. You're the brightest. You will lead us through the storms. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise. You will carry me safe to shore, safe to shore. Shore, safe to shore. We fall down. We fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. We cry, holy, holy, holy. We cry, holy, holy. We cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, the great 
greatness of your mercy and love at the feet of Jesus we cry holy 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 we cry holy 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 we cry holy 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 is the lamb sing it out holy holy we cry holy 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 we cry holy 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 we cry holy 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 is the lamb so kids if you want if you want to file off you can or if you want to stand there and sing you can too <laughs> You were the Word at the beginning, one with God the Lord Most High. You're in glory in creation, now revealed in you our Christ. Okay, sing that again. You were the Word at the beginning, one with the Lord most high you're in glory in creation now revealed in you our Christ what a beautiful name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no evil, now and forever God you 
reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King. What a powerful name it is, nothing can stand against, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you for just being in this place with us this morning. Um, thank you that we can have our church family singing all the way from the youngest kids to the, to the oldest adult. Um, Jesus, thank you for being everything to us. Thank you for the sweet spirit in this place. And uh, I, just, I just pray that you were like honored and worshiped this morning. Jesus, we love you so much. And, and we, uh, we don't deserve all the love that you give us, but we are so happy to worship you. Um, and to be part of your family. And we love you. Amen. Good morning. You know, that's, uh, that's exactly the subject today. And we're going to talk about what a powerful name it is. The name of, the name of God. Um, we're in a series of, um, of messages that we're calling the high, what God's Highway to Happiness. Now, the reason why I'm calling it that is because, um, and it's a series of the Ten Commandments, is because the Ten Commandments, some folks look at uh, rules or look at the commandments of God or the laws of God as something that kind of fences us in, that, that restricts us from freedom, that restricts us from doing what we want. When actually it's absolutely the opposite, uh, God puts a hedge around us and inside of that it's it's kind of like an umbrella of protection god puts an umbrella of protection over us that keeps the fiery darts of the enemy from penetrating and getting to us now that umbrella is huge and there's all kinds of freedom to move and make decisions and live under that uh, so it's not so much god hemming us in as giving us authority and protection now this highway to happiness uh, we we talk about the Ten Commandments, it's like uh, mile markers. Some of you, many of you have driven down I-75 and watched all the mile markers. And as we uh, make these uh, uh, trips with our kids when they were small in particular, the first question that comes out is, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? Well, we say, okay, see this mile marker right here? Now, what's the number? Okay, then we got a little math involved in too. We're going to exit at 236, all right? Where are we at? We're at mile marker five, all right? So, <laughs> you know, um, but these are, these Ten Commandments are like mile markers. They tell us where we are in our journey, how we're doing on our journey. And uh, three weeks ago, I taught our entire church family how they could know the Ten Commandments front back, I can think some backwards, they can say from the middle out, I can call out a number, number six, and that is, thou shalt not what? Kill. Kill. All right, see there, some of them were listening, all right, some <laughs> were listening, all right. Um, 
But uh, uh, the, the purpose is that we might know God's uh, highway to happiness. Where, where are we in this journey? And so as you look at each one of these commandments, uh, you need to observe and look at your life. Say, how am I doing? Where am I at? How, how, am I fulfilling this? Am I blowing it? Uh, because we're going to look at one this morning, uh, commandment number three. And it's, uh, if you notice that in your little uh, message notes, that if you want to look at that, it says, joy that comes from reverence. Joy that comes from reverence. Now, commandment number one was joy that comes from priority. And that is, God is one. He is, he is number one. And then we saw last week that uh, joy that will come from a real God, not an idol. Uh, the second commandment is, thou shalt have no graven images. And so, no idols. This morning, the third commandment is uh, joy that comes from reverence. Reverence, understanding who he is and, uh, and living inside of, of his reverence. Now, I have printed it for you there in your notes, Exodus 27. Let's just read it together, okay? It's short, and let's just read it together. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Let's pray together. Father, I pray now that you would help us uh, gain understanding and more particularly application for our life, Father, because you take your name serious. What a wonderful name is in the name of Jesus. What a wonderful series of names you've given us to reveal your character to us. And so, Father, help us now to grasp what you have for us. And if there's anyone here that has profaned the name and doesn't know your name personally. I pray, Father, O Holy Spirit of God, draw them to yourself as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Uh, one of the reasons that I think this one is so important is you notice this commandment also has with it a warning. It says, don't take the name of the Lord God in vain because, notice it says, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished. So God takes his name seriously. And God says, if you use my name in vain, you will not go unpunished in your life. So one of my objectives here is to be sure we grasp this so that you don't step into the very... Uh, uh, I, I don't want you to take a right cross from the Lord, all right? <laughs> I want you to, to, to be free from that punishment that might come. Now, names. What does a name say? A name, there's three things here. By the way, this morning's message just has two points. The abuse of God's name and the use of God's name. We're going to look at this, those two things. The abuse, how it's abused, and then we're going to look at the use. How do we use God's name properly? and How do we revere it? And so that's basically all we're going to do this morning. Now, the nature of our relationship with God is reflected like in the nature of, of names and the way that we speak to other people. Uh, when somebody says, um, I've got some really short people that come running up to me and say, Grandpa, well, that, you know, <laughs> these really short people, you know, what do you want? <laughs> uh, 
the, the way you say things to people, you know, and the way you revere them. And so what's in a name? Well, in a name, first of all, is reputation. Uh, I grew up in a home where uh, when I was 15, my dad just ran off with another woman and left uh, four of us behind with my mom. And so I was, at a, in a, as a teenager, all of a sudden, there was a lot of identity that just kind of went out the door. I mean, it's like, who am I really? And where, what, what, the stability, I lost a lot of stability. In fact, folks, that's one of the problems in our culture today, in all of the shootings and, and, the, and the terrible stuff that goes on, is the absence of male figures in a home, particularly in the inner city. Uh, Don and I were talking about that this morning. It's just, it's, it's a terrible thing. But what I had... Um, that really helped bring the stability in my life was the reputation that my grandfather gave me. Uh, my grandfather was a city manager of this little town that, uh, that we grew up in. And I was introduced most all the time as this is Clarence Kreitz's grandson. My name wasn't Dave Clifford, I was Clarence's grandson. And immediately that just elevated me because um, as the city manager, in fact, after he died, he died of a heart attack when he was 55, um, so taken very young. But years later, as I worked in that town, in fact, there was a short time between, in uh, summer between college and, uh, um, and uh, my Army duty, I worked for the city of Jackson, and I had a man come to me one time and say this. He says, Dave, I n- never heard anybody, I have never heard anyone ever say anything negative about your grandfather. Now, when you think about a man in public office like that, that was pretty big. That's pretty tall cotton. So reputation. Your name leaves behind a reputation. You are going to leave behind a reputation for your sons and daughters and grandsons and daughters and uncles and aunts and everybody else. You're going to leave behind a reputation. Is, what's it going to be? Is it going to be positive? Is it going to be negative? But one of the things that a name does is it gives reputation. Now, God's reputation uh, is clearly delineated for us in Scripture because time and time again, God says, I am the Lord your God. I am the one who delivered you from Egypt. I am the one who delivered you from slavery. In fact, how do we really know the character and person of God? How do we know who God is? Well, He has revealed His character to us in His name. In fact, he's given us many names. We have uh, Elohim and Jehovah are two that are used. You you take, for instance, uh, Jehovah Jireh, which means my God has provided. He is the God who provides. Jehovah Rophe means God who heals. And so his character is revealed in his name. Just like, and so his reputation is tied to his name. This is what I do. This is who I am. Another thing that a name does, uh, you see there in your notes, is character. God's name speaks of his character. It tells us who he is. In fact, God changed the name of uh, at least three men in Scripture. And when he did, it changed their character. Let me give you examples. First of all, Abram. Abraham, A-B-R-A-M, Abram means father is exalted his name was changed to abraham which means the father of a great multitude so abram who is introduced to us um, 
uh, in the Ur of the Chaldees is where he lived. He was Abram. He was just a, a man. But when God called him, now your name is Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. And so God changed his character uh, and his history by his name. Uh, another was um, Jacob. Jacob, w- that means heel grabber. You remember when he was born, his brother came out first uh, from the womb, and Jacob had a hold of Esau's heel. And so he was known as heel grabber. That was his name. That's what Jacob uh, means. Well, his name was changed to Israel. And that means he is a prince of God. Israel, the E-L suffix on the end is for Elohim, God. So he's a prince of God. His name was changed. Uh, A third one that was changed is uh, Saul. Saul um, means, and this is in the New Testament, is requested. But when he was changed, his name was changed to Paul. His name means little. And so what happened was this one who was uh, Saul requested, who was given power, authority, and he was out destroying Christianity or trying to. God says, I'm going to call you Paul. I'm going to show you how little you are in my eyes, but I'm going to use you for great things. So many times names uh, share character with us. Uh, in uh, Native American lore, a lot of times a person was named by an event that took place or something they saw, like Walking Bird or a sh- a star or something like that. Uh, names mean something, as God's name is significant, means something. It also, a name gives you authority. And this is something that I'm going to kind of expand on just a little bit here in just a moment. But authority, what do I mean by authority? Well, a name on a contract means my name is there and I'm going to fulfill that contract. So there is authority. There's promise. There is uh, a commitment that's made with a name. And so there's authority. I'm going to give you an example of uh, when I was in the seminary, a friend took me uh, hunting out in Comanche, Texas, which is uh, west of Fort Worth. And out there, there's no trees. I mean, as we're driving out there to quail hunt, all I, I didn't see any. Now, I grew up in Missouri, southeast Missouri, and there's lots of brush and woods and stuff like that, a lot of cover for game. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, there ain't no animals out here at all. I mean, there was nothing taller than my knees, and that was cactus. And we got out there, and we're driving along. Um, and by the way, there was, underneath all that cactus, there were quail everywhere. We just, we just got, oh, man, we got our limits easily. But uh, we're driving on this man's uh, land, um, and I'm driving along in this dirt road, and I see this thing sitting there doing this, you know, and it's pumping oil out of the ground. It says Comstock 1. We drive a little farther, Comstock 2. Drive a little farther, Comstock 3. And so this, my friend is telling me about Mr. Comstock. The Mr. Comstock at that time was about 90 years old and his, his skin was just brown as leather because he's a cowboy and he was outside all the time, all the time. Uh, taking care of his cows. I mean, yes, he had oil wells, and yes, he had a lot of money, but he was a cowman, and he had lived in a very modest little home out in the middle of his ranch and had a, a stone wall about this tall all the way around it, and that wasn't to keep anything in. That was to keep the cows out because he lived in the middle of the cows. 
Well, Mr. Comstock, what he did, because the oil, that was kind of subsidiary to him. That was not his interest. His passion was cows. And he would buy, in the uh, fall, semi-trailer truck loads of cattle out of Florida and Louisiana, you know, little yearlings, and, uh, and he'd feed them out in the wintertime, and then he'd sell them, and he's a cowman. And uh, these guys would pull up in their 18-wheelers, and they'd unload the cattle, and he'd look at them, and then he'd write them a check, and they'd go to the bank in town, since they're from Louisiana or Florida, they'd cash that check and then take the cash with them back down here. Well, Mr. Comstock, my friend was telling me the story of Mr. Comstock. He, uh, uh, he was looking over his cattle that had been unloaded and he was kind of getting them in, in some holding pens there. And all of a sudden, this big 18-wheeler comes back about an hour later. He goes, uh, what's the matter, son? He says, well, Mr. Comstock, I don't know how to tell you this, but your check... <laughs> It bounced, you know, and it was about as for like $10,000 or something. Now, this is back, you know, 30 years ago, folks. $10,000 is a big check, you know. It's a big check to me still, but I mean, back then it was really big. Mr. Comstock, he says, what? What? He says, young man, you get in this truck with me right now. And he jumped in his pickup truck and he sped off into, the, into Comanche, Texas. Now, Mr. Comstock, because cows and ranching was his passion, he didn't go to town much. And, and he'd write checks and stuff like that. And, and, you know, the bankers knew that if Mr. Comstock, if, his, uh, if this check didn't have enough funds, he had a lot of money in the bank. And they'd just say, just come over and we'll just transfer the money. Or it's not a big deal. They'd, they'd float the loan, you know, on it. no interest or anything like that because he had so much deposited. Well, Mr. Comstock, he walked into that bank and he says, David, kind of went like this. He says, the story's pretty big in Comanche, Texas, which was only about 4,000 people. There's two banks in town. And he walked into that bank and he took that check and he walked right into the president's office and he slammed it down. He says, you see this right here? This young man came in here and that's my name on that check and it bounced. Look at that red letters across there. He says, you give this man his money right now. And I mean, you give it to him now and then I want the rest of my money in a, this bag right here, right now. <laughs> and the banker, and the president says, no, no, no. See, what happened was a little clerk at the, at the window, when Mr. Comstock's check came in, she looked at it, uh, insufficient funds, so she just marked insufficient funds. She didn't know that Mr. Comstock had a couple million on deposit. So he said, Mr. Comstock, you don't understand. We don't, we don't keep that kind of cash in here. He says, I want it, and I want it now. First of all, pay this man. So they quickly counted out the 10 grand, you know, and that man got his money, and whew, off he went. Mr. Comstock stood there until they got all the cash, every bit they could find in the bank, and then a cashier's check for the rest of it. And he took that bag and walked across the street and deposited it in the bank across the street. Now, why was that such a big deal? He says, that's my name. That's my name right there, and you just violated my name by telling this man that I'm not keeping my word and paying him. A name has authority, okay? Uh, I don't know if that little bank teller kept her job or not. I'm not sure. I, I don't know about that story, but uh, uh, Mr. Comstock and I, we just hit it off. We just, we just had a great time. I just love that old man, but uh, my name. And I remember Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 9. He said this, pray after this fashion. Our Father who art in heaven, be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That word, hagizo, uh, means holy, pure. Uh, it means uh, sanctify. That's how that word is used. So pray after this fashion, our Father who art in heaven, holy, pure, sanctified is your name, Father. God takes his name serious. And of course, this is the Lord Jesus speaking himself. He says, hallowed be thy name. So let's look, first of all, at the abuse. We're going to look, first of all, at the abuse and then the use of God's name. So first of all, the abuse. How do we abuse the name of God? How is it possible for this to happen to us? Well, first of all, a lot of folks use insults. They, they insult other people, try to insult other people. Uh, and they have like a contempt for God, maybe rebellion against God. Uh, they don't care anything about God. And so they use his name in vain and abuse it because they care nothing about him. Um, and folks, here's also where we can be, where we can have a real problem, is there can be what I'd call uh, secondhand profanity. Where we say things like, golly darn, gee whiz, geez. You know, now, when I was growing up, it would, you know, it wasn't so, but now a curse word is Jesus Christ, you know. Now, my wife has caught me, and somehow I've picked up a little phrase that I keep using, and it's, what is it, golly or something like that? It's golly, and I... And so I've really had to watch my, my just using that because that is simply a, a secondhand profanity of using God's name in vain. So you say, what do I do when I, when I hit my finger, my hammer, or my thumb? What do I do? Grasshoppers. <laughs> Fiddlesticks, something. You know, come up with your own. But, but you, you can be profane in God's name. So that's a way that we can, and, that's, that's, and what you do is you insult the Lord by calling on his name. Uh, profanity is simply a feeble mind trying to express itself forcefully. That's what goes in a blank right there. Uh, profanity is the attempt of a feeble mind trying to perform, trying to express itself forcefully. And see, that. Okay. You can't, you and I can't change someone. All you can do is make a request and, and say, you know, I'd rather, and I've had to do that. Please, you're using my Savior's name in vain. Uh, but you cannot change someone. You know, that you, you, you and I can't change someone. The only person that we have control over is us, you and me, is of self. So the question is, do you have issues of secondhand profanity? Do you use God's name in vain? Do you, call on, do you abuse God's name? Or do you hold it in reverential awe? Um, but I say, I've seen a lot of small folks, uh, ignorant people, 
who can only, every third word is some kind of a cuss word because they don't have enough words in their vocabulary to carry on a decent conversation. So what they do is they try to express their power by cursing. A second way is intimidation. And intimidation, some, some folks try to, uh, they insult God, and some try to intimidate by saying, well, God told me this. Now, what that is, is they're tr that's somebody trying to call upon the power of God that says, God told me this. Uh, I had a friend years ago, single uh, pastor down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and he'd have young ladies come to him and say, God told me that we're supposed to marry. God said. No, wait a minute. His response was, well, when God tells me that, we will. But he ain't told me nothing about that, okay? <laughs> but a lot of times folks will, will try to use God's authority, God's power, by saying, well, God told me this. God told me, um, let's see, Darlene said, God told me that you're supposed to, you know, wait a minute. See, not, that, that's abusing God's name. That's abusing God's power. And so, but folks will do that. We'll try to abuse it, uh, God's name in that way. Now, so there's a profane use of God's name. And now I want to look at the vain use of God's name. The vain use of God's name. Let's, I've got some, some scriptures here for you. Sometimes people use God's name in vain to impress. And Titus 1.16 says this. You can follow along there. I have it printed for you. It says, they claim to know God. But by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for doing anything good. And see, Titus was writing uh, about folks in the church who, who claimed to know God, who had the words, they were in the, the fellowship, but their actions and their words that they spoke denied God's presence in their life. Some, some, another way of using God's name in vain is to impulsively use it, and that's Leviticus 19.12. And Leviticus 19.12 says, you shall not swear falsely by, won't you circle those two words, my name. Just circle those, my name. You shall not swear falsely by my name so as to profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So, um, some folks will, will try to swear falsely by his name. Now, Isaiah 29, 13, I don't have that for you there, but it says this. The Lord says, these people come near me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up of rules taught by men. And this is where people use God's name or authority and say, you do this. If you want to worship him correctly, you do this, you do this, you do this. And he says, you know, these are rules taught by men, not by me. And they're using the authority of my name wrong. Um, another is, uh, is in prayers. Uh, we, we don't have prayer wheels like the Tibetans, you know, the Hindus, where they got the prayer wheels, they spin them around and it lands on something to go, okay, that's the prayer we're supposed to pray right now. We don't have anything like that. But folks, we can fall into rote prayers. Now, we don't say prayers. We are to pray 
prayer. Now the difference between saying prayer and praying prayer is pretty large. A rote prayer is something like this. Um, o Father, O Lord, we thank you for all the wonderful blessings. Forgive all of our sins and be with those who cannot be here. Now, that's rote. That's kind of a broad stroke. You know, be, Lord, be with those who cannot be here. Now, tell me, tell me, where is there a place that God is not? God is everywhere, all the time. He knows everything. We don't have to tell God to be with somebody. He's there. And so we, get, we, we can pick up habits in prayer like this, using God's name in kind of a rote fashion that we really don't mean because we've heard it prayed like, like that before. We've heard people say, Lord, be with the missionary. Well, he is, isn't he? He always is. So we can kind of secondhand profane his name by claiming that, thinking that maybe he's not there, he's not, he's not involved in that situation. Instead, pray specifically. It's, it's kind of like a, um, my grandkids, okay, uh, my grandson, he comes around to me and he says, he says, uh, Grandpa, Grandpa, bless me, bless me. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> I don't know what, you know, what am I supposed to do, okay? But if he comes up and says, Grandpa, 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 give me a buck so I can buy a, you know. Okay, now I know exactly how he wants to be blessed, all right? He wants, okay. <laughs> and it's that way in prayer. If there's a, if there's a need, if God's giving you a burden of a heart, then express that. Pray that to Him. Don't be so generalized. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm getting, if I'm making it clear. I might be making it, stirring it up here. But what, all I'm saying is you and I can abuse God's name by simply wrote prayers that don't have any substance to them. Um, thank you, Thee, for all our wonderful blessings. How about, Lord, thank you for this pork chop that's laying right here in my plate. <laughs> you know, I mean, specifically, Lord, what am I grateful for right here? You know, um, and that's what I'm saying is, don't get caught up. We can accidentally start picking up rote prayers and abuse God's name instead of coming to him as a father and just speaking to him, okay? Um, Matthew 6, 7, I have that printed for you too. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they are heard because there are many words. You don't have, you know, it's not how many words you use, it is speaking to him. That's what he wants. Just because somebody prays 10 minutes doesn't mean that they're getting through any better than you are. Uh, remember the, the publican? Uh, had the Pharisee and the publican, the Pharisee standing and said, Oh, Lord, thank you that I'm not like, and Jesus told this story in the temple. Oh, Lord, I'm glad that I'm not like this publican over here that I give all my alms. And he's going on and on about how good he is and how good, you know. And Jesus says the publican sent over there kind of leaning against the post. And he's going, Lord, forgive me a sinner. And he says, which one was heard? What was heard was the sinner just said, Lord, forgive me a sinner. He didn't say many words. He just got right to it and says, Lord, help me. 
That, that's, that's what I'm trying to share with you. It's not the many words. It's not the glowing words. It is just getting honest with God and saying, Lord, his name. Lord, help me. Forgive me, a sinner. Okay? Why, why do people abuse the name of God? Why do they do that? Why is it that we, sometimes we get caught up in it because we, that's all we've heard and we just think that's the thing to do. Well, people abuse the name of God. I think one of the primary reasons is because there's power in his name. You don't hear anybody going around saying, Oh, Buddha. Or, Oh, Muhammad. Or, Muhammad D this. Or, Buddha D this. They don't, they don't say that. You know why? Because there's no power in Muhammad. There's no power in Buddha. There's power in the name of God. And so people try to pull down, small people try to pull down this higher power and place this higher power in authority or show that they have some kind of, of tapping into this authority. That, that's why people do this. Now the focus of this third commandment is don't call on this name unless you're serious about using it. Um, use God's name with care. So I, I think we, we've got to be careful about how we use God's name because we can't abuse it. Now, with every positive, there's a negative. You take, you know, like a magnet, you know, positive and negative. The same thing with, with this. Uh, there's the abuse of God's name, but there's also a, pro a proper use of his name. So let's look at some of the proper uses of his name. Things that he wants us to, to utilize his name for. The first one I'm going to su suggest to you is sincerity. And we need to use his name in sincerity. And you might put parentheses behind that worship. We need to use his name in worship. Now, Carrie, we were just saying a couple of songs here. Um, uh, and, and we used his name. How powerful is that name? Jesus. Uh, so we use it in worship. Psalms 9:10. I have printed there for you. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Circle your name. Notice how Scripture uh, it tells us, it puts a focus on the name of God. And so we are to use his name in worship. Psalms 29:2 says this. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due, what? His name. Circle his name. Ascribe to him the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And so one of the proper uses of God's name is in worship. Uh, singing praises to him, to God the Father. We sang earlier, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, that's using his name. Holy, this is reverencing him. And who are we speaking to? The Lord, God, His name. Using His name in worship. That is a proper use of His name. Okay? Um, a second way to use His name is in service. And you might put parentheses up there to the side, like your life message. The, the service. Use His name in service. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 19 says this. You can follow along there. It says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses, what? The name 
circle that again, the name. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. And so in our life of service, in our, the life that you live, the, the things that you're involved in, use his name, ascribe to him glory to his name. And how do you do it? You, by turning away from that which is evil because you have confessed the name of Jesus. Let me ask this. Does, do people know that you're a Christian? Do, do they know that you are a follower of Christ? Do you ascribe to him the goodness of your life that comes out? It's not because you're a good person. You know why? Because I know you're a sinner. Huh? You want me, you want me to try a couple on here for size, see if we're all sinners? <laughs> we're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Now that means y'all <laughs> and me, right? So there's nothing good in us. We confess that our service, our goodness, that anything that's righteous and holy, good that comes out of our life is because we ascribe to the name of the one who saved us. Our service is built on, on his life and his work and honoring his name. Uh, look at the next verse, Colossians 3.17. In fact, let's just read this one together, okay? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. All right. The name. Circle the name again, okay? Now it says, whatever you do, do it all in what? The name of Christ. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Christ so that He's glorified, giving thanks to Him, glorifying Him. So, in, in worship you, or in your service, in your life, the proper use of the Lord is using His name and His glory. And the reason I do this, the reason I don't steal, lie, cheat, uh, chew tobacco and run around with the girls who do is because um, it's the name of Christ. It, it's because Jesus has made a difference in my life. Okay? That's how you use the name of God positively in service of your life. Now, C, security. And by the way, let me go back and look at Colossians 3.17 just for a moment with you. It says, and whatever you do, you might underline that, whatever you do, whatever it is, no matter what you do, whatever you do, giving thanks. Those are two little phrases that I would suggest you, you underline, highlight right there. Okay, whatever you do, give thanks. And do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, the other thing about that is whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the number one word on the mission field is flexibility. Okay, it's flexibility. I'm just kind of adding this. And this is a lanyap, all right? <laughs> flexibility, because you never know what's going to happen. You don't know what's coming up. You don't know what. Be flexible. Now, are you that way in church? Are, are you willing to be flexible? You know, there are some that say, no, I'm not moving out of this chair right here. I, Try to sit in that spot right over there, okay? I'll tell you what, Carrie will, will say, no, you're not sitting in my... Uh, <laughs> that's not true, is it, Carrie? Not at all. But I, <laughs> I had my, my pastor, Paul Burleson, he told me this story, and for the life of me, I thought, Paul, that is just a preacher's story. That is not true. He was preaching a Bible conference one time, and there were some ladies who had literally cross-stitched their name in the fabric of the pew. <laughs> that was their spot. 
I shall, I shall not be moved. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, Paul, that ain't, you know. He said, Dave, they cross-stitched their name in there. And then I was at a church in Oklahoma out in the country, and there were two little pillows with their names cross-stitched in them, and they were sitting in a, in a pew. And I go, hmm, boy, don't move those pillows, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, flexibility. I mean, are you flexible? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Does it matter to you whether you have Sunday school in that room or this room or this room or out under the tree? Does it make any difference? Are you flexible enough? Or are you saying, nope, nope, bye, cracky, my name, cross-stitch right there, okay. <laughs> Flexibility, okay. That, that's your service. The way you honor the Lord with your service is saying, I, I'm here to serve. And if it means if I can help by, by getting up and, and giving up my seat in the back room and coming up to the front. Boy, that's big, isn't it? Huh? You guys, so somebody else can come in there. You know, are you going to do that? Flexibility. See, you honor the Lord, and people see His name magnified in your life when you serve. Uh, uh, <clears throat> so those are some things. Sincerity, service. Security. The third one is security. The use of God's name in security. Look at Psalms 33, 21. It says, in him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in what? My bank account. Oh, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in my 4013C. No. We, in, to, in him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name security is he your security you know folks uh, as as we get older there's a lot of things that we get to where we you know we don't have control of anymore in our life are, are we willing to really say i am secure because he will not forsake me his name is true he will not let me down The fourth D, I'll just finish with this, is in salvation. The, the, one of the proper uses of God's name is in salvation. Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is, circle the words, no other name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. No other name. So there's no other name, there's no other name anywhere that you can be saved by it's not buddha it's not muhammad it's not joseph smith it's not the pope it's not um it's not a yoga instructor it's not transcendental meditation there is no other way we can be saved except what's it say in his name no other name there is no other name by which we can be saved and so the only hope that you have of ever seeing heaven and living forever in heaven uh, is in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other name. Uh, John 20, 31 says this, But these are written that you may believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you may have eternal life. By believing in His name, you will have eternal life. In His name. Luke uh, one thirty one says, You will... Uh, be with child and he's speaking to uh, Mary you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name 
Jesus, which means Savior. And so his name is Savior. There's no other name which would be saved except Jesus, Savior. Romans 10, 9 and 10. I've got that printed there for you. I want you to read it with me. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth confession is made. I'm sorry, I didn't give you the last half of that. Really, that first part is what I want to make. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. So what, what, how, how are we saved? We confess the name, Jesus. There's no other name which we be saved except Jesus. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Have you done that? We had a little granddaughter this uh, week and a half ago who uh, on a Sunday night, she was confronted in her little Awana workbook said, uh, I have accepted or rejected Jesus as my Savior. She wrote, neither. I haven't rejected him, but I haven't accepted him. Well, folks, to not accept him is to reject him, but that's what began to really hurt for her to question. And she began to think about that, and so she surrendered her life to Christ because she said, I want to accept Jesus. Jesus is the, uh, the name. Now, Romans ten thirteen. Let's read this one together. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you circle that? Name of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. See, there's power in this name. And the only name by which you and I can be saved, anyone can be saved, is by the name of Jesus. So he who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Have you done that? See, that's one of the proper uses of God's name. One of the proper uses. Uh, not the abuse. To abuse his name is called down curses and this kind of stuff. But to use his name powerfully, personally, call on him to be saved because there's no other way that you and I can be saved you know there there's a lot of folks in the church Billy Graham died this past week and I know Billy Graham said that he he felt like 90 percent of the church was lost maybe it's not that high maybe it's like 60 percent something like this huge percent it was way more than half he felt were lost because although they knew Christ they had not called on Christ as Savior. And there's a big difference. You can know all about Jesus, but if you don't call on His name and say, Jesus, it's you and you only that can save me, then you're lost without Christ. And so that's a, that's a question I guess I need to end here with this. We are to offer Him worship by saying, Our Father art in heaven, hallowed, honored, in purity is your name. But we also need to turn in dependency to him and say, Jesus, there is no other name under heaven by which I can be saved. I call on you to be my Lord and my Savior. If you've never done that, if you haven't come to a place in your life where you can say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner 
And I know that the only way that I can be saved is to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. And why can we come to him? Because in that while you and I were yet sinners, Christ demonstrated his love for us. He didn't just say that he loved us. He demonstrated. How did he demonstrate it? He left the glories of heaven, the praise of angels, came down through time, space, and eternity, planted himself in the womb of a young virgin girl, was born in poverty and obscurity. He was uh, uh, rejected by his own people. They tried to murder him. Finally, the, the religious folks of that day did have him killed, crucified. And he, the way he demonstrated his love is he hung on a cross. And he could have come off there. Three nails didn't hold him to that, to that timber. Those three nails that held him to that timber was his love for you and me. Because I think he looked down through time and turning and he says, you know, if I don't stay on this cross, Dave will never be saved. Dave has no opportunity to ever have his sins forgiven and removed if I don't stay on this cross. And your name, I believe, was on his heart at the same time. And so he demonstrated his love for you by going to a cross, dying for you, laying his life down for you. Your responsibility and mine is to call on his name and say, Jesus, I call on your name the power of your name, the power of your person, the power of your rep reputation to come into my life, remove my sin, and save me. Let's pause and pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for one more of these mile markers in our life. The joy that comes from reverence, revering your name, not profaning your name or not abusing your name, but using your name in worship, in service, in salvation. Father, it's very possible that there's someone here in this congregation, someone maybe listening to my voice that knows all about you. Because, Father, I remember when I was like that, I, I knew all about you and who you were, but I'd never really called on your name. And Lord, it wasn't until I called on your name that you really came into my life and saved me. Father, there may be someone here this morning and they're just like that. They know about you. They know the Christmas story. They know the Easter story. They know a lot of Bible stories, but they've never really called on your name and said, my only hope is in the name of Christ. And I pray that this morning it'd be their, their time, their moment. And with our heads bowed, our eyes closed for just another moment, I'm going to conclude this prayer. But while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and we're in this time of prayer, what about you? Have you absolutely called on the name of Jesus and said, Jesus, I trust you as my Savior? If you've not done that, I want to invite you to do that right now in this moment. Call on him and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I call on you to become my Savior and my Lord. Now, if you've done that, even in this moment, you have been saved, not because I say it, but because the Word of God says it. We just read it in Romans 10, 13. 
Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have been saved from your sins because you called on his name. Tell him thank you. Any way you deserve, just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Father, I pray your blessing on that life today who said yes to you. Father, guard our lips that we might not profane your name. But, Lord, let our lips speak of your holiness and your glory. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to conclude this part of the service with an invitation. Now, the reason we call it an invitation is because I'm just going to invite you to respond to whatever it is that God maybe has spoken to you about. If this morning you've given your life to Christ, you've surrendered yourself to Him, then here's the invitation. When we stand together for a moment, I want you to come and take your place in the household of faith and confess Him as Savior and Lord by your presence right here. Now, why am I asking you to do that? It's not making this up. It's because Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33 said this, If you confess me before men... I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, in other words, don't take a stand for me. Don't tell anybody about your relationship with me. Then I will deny you before my Father in heaven. There's something about that open public declaration of your faith that seals this in your heart. And so that's my invitation to you is to come and to stand right here and by your presence saying, I want the world to know that I'm going God's way. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you say anything. I'm not going to have you do anything. I'm not going to turn you around. Your presence here says to all of us today, I want the world to know I'm going God's way. And what you'll be doing is you'll be fulfilling in the first step, confessing Christ as your Lord and Savior before men. Now, many, many in this room have already done that. And so they're going to rejoice with you. I'm not asking you to do this in a hostile crowd. This is, you're going to be surrounded by people who are going to amen and hallelujah and high-five you and everything else. But, but you've got to take that stand. You've got to take that stand. So if you've never openly and publicly stood for Christ before, that's, the, that's what this invitation is for. Now, it could be that you're already a believer. You're looking for a church home. You moved your magazine subscriptions. You moved your family, your furniture, your bank accounts to this area, but you've not moved your church membership. And God's telling you you need to move your church membership. You be the first one down the aisle, and we'll start that process of folding you into the life of this fellowship, okay? That's the invitation. Could be, say, I don't know what I need. I need something. There's just things going on in my life, and I need something. You come, we'll have somebody get with you, spend a little time per- privately in prayer, and, uh, and answer any questions you might have. So that's our invitation. Whatever you do, don't go away without Christ. So when we sing, we're going to sing a verse of song. Um, Darlene's going to play for us and you just grab yourself up and you just come right here and stand with me All right, let's stand together would you come number 448 would you come right now I am weak but thou art strong Jesus keep me from all wrong come if you're the one we're waiting to come Fight as long as I walk, let me walk close to thee. Quickly, would you come? Is there one? Just a closer walk with thee. 
Precious Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to Thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Well, the invitation is always open. We're not going to close that part of it, but we are going to pause now and receive our morning offering. And as the offering plate is passed, if you have one of those connection cards that John was telling you about that you filled in, registering for the luncheon or you had prayer requests or something, drop that in the offering plate as it comes by. That way we can stay in touch with you, all right? And uh, if you need to come, if you stand in there and you say, oh, if they just sung one more song, I'd come. If there's a tugging at your heart, that's the Spirit of God saying, come. That's what that is. So while, seek the Lord while He's near. Call on Him while He's speaking to you. So I'm going to be seated right here, and if the offering plate's being passed, and you need to come speak to me, you do that, all right? Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to um, just to give, Father, be part of your work. You don't need us, but Father, we desperately need you. And so we come as a, and offer to you, Father, gifts that are just an indication of our love. And I know that the amount is not the issue, but the, the issue is the, the heart. You love a cheerful giver. And so, Father, bless the gift and the purpose of the gift in the life of the giver. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.